yesterday if uh if you were kind of like me you kind of laid in a coma for a little while because this has been a good week if you were here for revival there's a lot of things have gone on a lot of truth a lot of teachings it's happened and i want us just to take us to mark chapter 8 mark chapter 8 this morning beginning in verse 22 going through verse 26 you guys awake out there everybody okay we did spring forward and I know, I mean, I felt like garbage this morning when I woke up, and hopefully you didn't, okay? But it, you might have. You all look good, though, like you got, you know, your eight hours or whatever. So good to be with you this morning. And I want us to look at this scene in Jesus' life. It's a very odd passage, Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. And I want us to look at this in a way that we wrap up and see what God is doing in our revival, what he wants to do in our midst, and what he wants to do in this town, looking at Mark chapter 8, beginning verse 22. If you got it, turn your Bible. If not, we'll have it on the screen for you in a second. And let's begin. Verse 22 says this, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought him a blind man and begged him to touch him. It's not unusual. When we talk about spiritual sight, a lot of times the Bible uses the Jesus' physical healings that he actually made people who were blind be able to see. He, he did this in a way that it was also point, pointing to spiritual realities, about the idea of spiritual blindness and, and how that is, perm, that is prevalent, and it, it's every person's place. And so then this physical healing that Jesus does, he, he really heals this blind man. It points to the spiritual blindness being healed, okay? So we see that there's a lot of blind people healed in the ministry of Jesus, and this is one that's particularly unique. They bring this blind man to Jesus because they think Jesus is their only hope. And in verse 23, it says this, And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Now, it's very obvious he did not want this to be seen in the village. This is something, now we, know, we do know this, we don't know, it doesn't say there's a crowd. Most of the time when, they, when Jesus does a miracle, they said, it, it kind of says who's there. We don't get that, but we have the idea that the disciples are there. The gospel of Mark is by most, what most people think that, that Mark was writing down the experiences of the apostle Peter. And so very likely, especially in this, pa- this part of Mark, that Jesus, it's just Jesus and his disciples in this blind man. And so they, Jesus takes him and leads him out of the village. And then he does something really weird. This is a very strange story. And it says, let him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes. Yeah. Weren't expecting that one, right, unless you've read that before. This is a hocked a big one. Jesus spit right in this guy's eye. That's weird. Weren't expecting that. You're expecting peace be with you, okay? And you got loogie. And then he spit on his eyes, and he laid his hands on him, and he said, do you see anything? <laughs> you imagine how freaked out that guy must have been? <laughs> I don't know why he did it. There's no commentator that can give us a good idea. They can all guess. We don't know why he spit. I want you to know something. Jesus is not tame. The God of the Bible, the God in the flesh, Jesus, does not work how we expect him to work. He doesn't. And so he spits on this guy. And he says, and he touches his hands on his face or somewhere, and he says, do you, what does it say? Do you see anything? And this is where it gets a little more strange in verse 24. And he looked up and he said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. Maybe you did this this morning. The alarm clock goes off. You groggily reach over for it and smack it to snooze for those extra minutes. I know none of you have ever done that before, but, you know, that's like that violent, please make it stop. And you hit that, and, and then you, it goes off again in what seems like seconds, but has really been 15 minutes, so now you're running late. And so you get out of bed, but you're, you still have sleep, and, and you just have been, you were really zonked, and you're rubbing your eyes, and you just, you're trying to focus. Has anybody ever been there before? You've been there? 
That's not, <laughs> I've been there too, okay? It was even this morning, like, what is happening? It's awake. So the, you're trying to, eyes are focusing, and you've ever done that, and you can't really, you can't, your eyes won't focus in right, and you look down the hallway, and you see something, and you think it's a person, but it's actually all the dirty clothes that are hanging on your, you're getting a view into my life, okay? It's not my fault. My wife's really good at keeping up the house. I'm just a slob of, like, the greatest order, okay? I walk into a place, and <laughs> things explode. Like, Matt, why are your shoes everywhere? I don't know. I kick them off when I walk in the house, and Judson helps. And so you see that, and you're like, is that a person? No. Why would somebody be in my house? That was the big, huge pile of clothes, and you just, you, your eyes are playing tricks on you. And so what happens is Jesus spits on the guy, which is completely out of left field. He touches him and says, do you see anything? And he says, man, I see men, which gives us the idea that this guy, he became blind at some point because he immediately recognized that there was people. That's what we can kind of uh, infer from that. And he says, I see men. He could tell that it's the form of a human being, but he says they look like trees, so it means that his eyesight has been somewhat healed, but it's not perfectly healed. Verse 25, then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. Give us the idea that I had mentioned before, it says Jesus touched him and after he spit on him. So he touched him in his eyes, and so Jesus does it again. He touched the man in his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored. That vision that was making everybody... Looked like they were in funhouse mirrors, has focused, his eyes are completely restored, and he saw everything clearly. In verse 26, and he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. What do we do with that? That's kind of a weird story. It really is, right? We got spitting, we got Jesus healing somebody, and then it doesn't take, it seemingly doesn't take the first time, so he has to do it again. So did Jesus in some way fail? Well, certainly not, because we know, we've seen throughout the scriptures, and even Eric mentioned it the other night, that Jesus can just speak and people can be healed, raised from the dead. He's got that kind of power. You remember the, all the stories, Jesus feeding the 5,000. He says, we got any food? We got a little bit. We got us this kid's lunch. Got a happy meal, and he breaks it up and he feeds people, and there's stuff left over. So is this a power issue? Do you think Jesus failed? No. Thank you for having that. Yeah, you can respond. Yeah. No, he didn't fail. So then why did it happen? Well, we got to look at the context to help us understand that. Mark's gospel, there's the first half of the gospel of Mark. It's doing something. It's building a case, okay? And so here's what it does. The, the, the Gospels are not so much concerned with chronology of getting all the details in the exact order as it is with themes. Does that make sense? That the, the, the Gospels are trying to get us a theme to communicate the point about what they want to know about Jesus. They're not trying to give us a timeline. This is not unusual. This was kind of the writing style of the period. And so the, the, this is, there's a thematic work happening here, okay? And so Jesus at this point, in his life, he is trying to teach the disciples something. At this point in the Gospels, he's doing something. In, in chapters 1 through this point of, chop, of chapter 8 in Mark, he has been showing that Jesus has the power over the supernatural and the natural world, showing that he is the Son of God and he owns it all. There's great, great things, great healings that happen, casting out demons. It's, it's, it's Jesus showing who he is. Then, Chapter 8, there's a transition that starts. And chapter 9, through the end of the gospel, he's preparing his disciples for his crucifixion and, what, and the ministry they're going to have after his resurrection. And so this is a preparatory passage. And so he takes this man. He doesn't heal in the village. You know why? Because he's done showing off who he is to the, to the world. He's done with that right now till the resurrection. What he's doing at this point in Mark's gospel is he is starting to prepare the disciples for life and ministry without him. And so he takes this blind man out, most likely with all of his disciples since we have this recording of it, so somebody had eyewitnessed this event, and he heals this man. But at first it doesn't seem to take because the first time it happens, 
You ever have you ever done this to your TV? It's not getting reception. You remember you like the old TVs? You wouldn't try this now with the, with your flat screen TV, probably. You probably shouldn't. Have you ever done that with the old box TV when it's not working? What do you go do? Whack! Do you remember those? Like the tube ones? You're like, that's going to help it. And, and like you feel good about it because I guess you're mad. Like your shows go, and then it doesn't work. And then you hit it again. My grandmother actually had it. My great-grandmother had a TV like that. And then you really would if you whacked it twice. I don't know what that means. I don't, uh, you know, that's te- a technical TV fixing term. You whacked it twice. And all of us, like the first time, like the image would get a little bit better. Ha! Hit it again. Oh, look, we can watch Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune or whatever. That's what you watch at Grandma's house, okay? You know, some of you Wheel of Fortune fans are like, that's not nice. I'm going to punch him later, okay? Do you think that's kind of what Jesus was like doing? He's like, heal. Ah, oh, man, that didn't work. Let me get this guy again. Heal. No. This is done on divine purpose. And it's meant to show something about the disciples and their understanding. Because right after this, Jesus, Peter is going to confess that Jesus is the Messiah. It's in the next verses that follow this. But you remember what happens. We looked at this last week. I know it feels like forever ago since we've had so much church in between then. But we looked at, before, in preparation for our revival, we looked in Mark chapter 9 about the boy with the unclean spirit, right? Then the disciples, what did they, they failed So obviously they believe the right things about Jesus, somewhat, but their faith is insufficient in in some regard this other way. So there's still doubt hanging on. And so here's what Jesus is doing. Here's what this passage represents in the whole context of Mark's gospel. It's showing that the disciples' eyesight, their spiritual eyesight, has been healed instantly in one sense because they so they were dark in understanding who Jesus is, but they partially understand now that the light's flooded in, but also that they are, their eyesight, their spiritual eyesight, their spiritual insight into who Jesus is, what their mission is, what the world looks like, is being healed progressively. That means it's continually being healed by God. I want, I want to talk about this in two... In, in two ways. First off, I want to n- note something. Oftentimes, when the Bible and, the, and is talking about spiritual sight being healed, there is a sense in which spiritual sight is healed instantly. Put it this way. Uh, we had Eric talked about this, and this is very true. There, there is a great Christian image that we were once blind, but now we see. You remember the song Amazing Grace? I once was blind, but now I see. There's a sense in which in regards to salvation, there's, you have these blinders on, a la Paul, on the road to Damascus. You have scales over your eyes. You hear the gospel preached. The Spirit of God works on you, and you hear the message of Jesus, and all of a sudden, what was dark and made no sense and what you were just indifferent to, the scales fall off, light floods your cell, your, your prison cell, and all of a sudden, you can see. That is the work of the new birth. That's regeneration. That's being made new. The Bible talks about that. And, the, and there's an image in that where Jesus speaks, Jesus heals, and, the men, and men are healed instantly of their blindness. And that is to point us to the spirit. That physical happening that Jesus did, that miracle, points us to the spiritual reality that we all need to have our eyes open. So there is a sense in which there is an opening that happens at salvation that we can see. And I can compare it to this. Little babies. Ah, right? Let's do that together. Ah, see, you got this little baby, right? And they're really cute. But have you ever noticed how a little baby looks at you? And when they smile at you, don't you feel like you're on top of the world? But most of the time, it's just gas when they're really little. It's a sad reality. And they're they're looking at you, but it's kind of like the eyes are doing this, and they got that real good stare. Like, I get my voice is so loud. I get that from kids all the time. It's either like, like, what is wrong with that guy? Or, like, I'm afraid of that loudness. And, and so you have this baby, and, and, and what's going on there is that babies are born fully, it's the healthy, ones who have healthy eyes are born with the full capability of sight. However, 
they're very nearsighted at first because they must learn to see. So what happens, the, the signals that are coming in for the eyes have to learn how to travel to the brain. And the eyes have to learn how to focus. I think this is just yet another picture of what happens. Salvation, when it comes to spiritual sight, you are blind to the things of God and the things of Christ because of your sin. And you were, when we were once walking in darkness, we were dead in our sins. And then the grace of Jesus comes through the preaching of the gospel. And you hear the good news about Jesus. You hear what he's done on the cross. You hear that he's died. And you hear that he is risen. And you know it's, you, it, for, it used to be an abstract fact, and now it becomes a living reality that that is your only hope. Have your sins atoned for. And all of a sudden, light floods. You can see. It's like being born. And, you, and it's like that cry. And then your eyes are trying to focus. So these, these men, and it's very evident by this testimony of Peter, they see that Jesus is the Christ. And I believe somewhere in, that, in this position that they have come to faith in Jesus and they've been born again. So in one sense, spiritual eyesight is restored instantly. But in a real sense, in another sense, and what this passage is trying to tell you, they're trying to show us, is that these disciples, not only they, they see that Jesus is the Christ, but they don't understand it all and God is revealing it to them again and again and again. And that's what happens happens in our life. Now, this revelation is complete in the scripture, but what I'm referring to is our experiential revelation. By this, where we, like that light bulb goes on. You had that light bulb moment? I have that regularly. Not necessarily about biblical things, just about life in general. Me and Roy Richardson got to spend a lot of time together when he helped me put my house together. And I act like I know what I'm doing a lot of times, and he probably could very well know that I did not have any clue what I was doing with, like, electricity or anything. Evidenced by the fact I walked through my roof and almost died. <laughs> I was like, you all right? <laughs> I'm okay. Went right through the ceiling. It was awesome. Still got a, if you come to my house, you can see where my foothold is, okay? We tried to cover it up, but it's indelible. And so, but in working with him and working with some other guys like Mike and when we've done some stuff up here, uh, I kind of, stuff just, light bulbs go on. I was like, oh, that's how you do that. That's how you, <laughs> that's how you cannot get electrocuted. Don't touch that. I mean, that's, and the light bulb, just, ah, that makes sense now. What used to not make sense makes sense. And this is the work of the Spirit in our lives, and it's seen very evidently here that this healing, the fact that this man's sight was not healed instantaneously. Could Jesus have healed this man instantly? The answer is absolutely absolutely. Why didn't he? This is a story meant to show, meant to be an example of where the disciples are. That they see, but they don't see completely. So I want you to know something. The healing of our spiritual sight when it comes after we've come to Christ is progressive. It continues to go on. It continues. We grow from grace to grace. It's what it's what it's what uh, Eric would talk about when he mentioned Second Corinthians chapter three, seventeen, eighteen, and and I want to read that to you because this was our first night. So I want to connect this to what Eric said. Second Corinthians three, seventeen to eighteen says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face. What does that mean? No blinders. The veil's been lifted. We all with unveiled face. Beholding the glory of the Lord. How do we know the glory of the Lord? The glory of the Lord has been perfectly displayed in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And now, because we have received redemption, we with unveiled face get a look at the glory of God in Christ. And then it says, and we are being transformed, progressive, being changed. Remember Transformers? Starts out as a truck. And it becomes a robot, and then it goes from a robot to a truck, being transformed, being made different. That is the idea here, transformation. We are being transformed into the same image, the image of God, from one degree of glory to another. We are being transformed continually because we are looking and gazing upon the grace and the goodness of God as displayed to us and given to us through the inspiration of the Spirit by the Scriptures. This passage is showing that the disciples understand, but their understanding is also incomplete. And I can tell you we're in the same boat. But listen to what God, look at, listen to the grace that God, God has given us. 
This week, we've got to sit under some awesome teaching of the Word. And for some of us, me included, for hopefully for all of us, light bulbs went on all over the place spiritually. And we, we knew the condition. We knew everyone was a sinner. But now, after Eric has taught, we see the depth of sin, and we see... We, see, we remember again what our life was before Christ, and we remember, we've seen it so clearly as he talked about it, the gospel is so good, such good news because it's not about us trying to cover ourselves with fig leaves and trying to, to find some things that, that would, 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 would cover over our sin and our shame, but we can come to Jesus who bore our shame and receive new life. And so that's a new thing, that, that, that maybe you understood it, Mentally, but now, now in a just a deep level, you realize the grace and goodness of the gospel. You realize, you see people's need all around you. You see your need for obedience and for love. And so light bulbs are going on all over the place. At least they were for me. I hope it was for you. So what do you do when God opens your eyes? How do you respond? A couple of ways, well, that was cool. Good. Yay. We go talk about it over coffee. It's not wrong, but it's insufficient. Because faith without works is dead. So what do we do now? We have to respond. There has to be something we do in response to that. And part of our job as an elder team is to help us move Together, down the road to following Jesus. Proclaiming him, preaching him, praying that eyes would be open, both in salvation and then continually as we are walking in this new faith that we have, like continually going, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, this is amazing. Oh, man, I see this in my life that's wrong. I see this in. We move, and our job as elders is to help us all as a corporate body, as the church gathered here in 105 Church Street, in Hartsville, Tennessee, to move us from one degree of obedience to the next, one degree of following Jesus to the next, one degree of submitting to Jesus to the next. We have to do it in our lives. We have to do it in this church life. So here's what, here's what we're going to do in the remaining minutes. I, wanna, I want us to talk about what it means to respond to the way that God has revealed himself this week. Definitely in awe, but also more than that, in faith, putting feet to our faith, action. And so to do that, we have devised a plan. I know that sounds scary, okay? And it may not work. And if it, God's not in it, it won't. But we want to give it out and put it in front of you. Deacons, you have pieces of paper to pass out if you would do that as we continue to talk about this. I want to talk about it. We have, when Jesus begins to heal our spiritual insight, and you're going to get a piece of paper in a second, okay? And we'll talk about these things. I know you're excited to get a piece of paper. I have one, thank you. Yes, we got the wrong date on this. Thank you. We'll fix that. Uh, I made these late last night, uh, so I have a date wrong. We'll fix that in a second, okay? I know you're shocked that I got a date wrong. So um, if you would, as this piece of paper we hand out, we want to talk about a corporate plan. What does that mean? A plan together. And ramifications of all that Eric has just showed us in the Bible and all that we've been moving towards as a church for so many years, this is our plan for the next few months of how to hopefully reach people for the name of Jesus. And here's a few of them. Do you guys realize something? In two weeks, it's Easter Sunday. Wow, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's big time. Two weeks, March 27th is Easter Sunday. Easter is one of those great times in which people who have been far away get to come close. Now, I have been involved with some, some, some great Easter services and some bad Easter services, and here's what we do not want to do at Easter services, okay? And I'll just go ahead and put this out there. We do not want to shame people. Their sin does that enough. So, if you're going, if you're going and you're going to come up and say, well, well, glad to see you finally, well, it's Easter and Christmas, people. If you're going to do that, please stay home or go to another church, okay? We don't want that. I did just say go to another church. We'll have an elder meeting later. I'll be reprimanded. But what I mean by that is this. We don't, that is not the goal. Sin brings shame enough and conviction, and rightfully so. That is God's goodness 
that if any sense of shame and conviction of sin comes, it's the goodness and grace of Jesus. What we want to do is to be those people who invite them to experience a taste of grace that we have experienced and to come and to, yeah, I would love it if you you came to Easter. I don't care if you haven't been the rest of the time. I'm not keeping track of your attendance because here's what God can do. We're going to talk about the resurrected Jesus, game changer, that frees us from sin, that frees us from death, who is, the, who is the God-man who died on our behalf when we were unlovely. He died for us, and we get to just talk about that and sing about that, and hopefully, because of the grace of God and the Spirit of God and the truth of God being preached, eyes might be opened. And what an, it's an easy time to, to show up at church because there's going to be a lot of folks that are brand new. Sometimes it's hard to walk into a group even one that's as cool and laid back as this group. And the people got fears when they walk through the door. And they think we're going to judge them immediately. We don't need to judge because, the, again, Scripture, the Spirit, will judge the sin. That's, that's what will happen. We are here to preach the grace of Jesus that they should turn from their sin, come to know Christ. So Easter's like, it's huge. It's, it's huge. It's monumental. It's this great open front door. Come, please, come. It's an open door. It's easy to invite somebody. Most people in this county celebrate Easter in some form. Even if, they don't, even if they're not recognizing the Christ, they celebrate that holiday. And some of them still feel, this may be one of the two times in the entire year where people still feel the ought to come to church. Do you know what we should do about that? We should not shake our heads at it well. No, they should just come the rest of the time. Yes, I hope they do. But who made you the judge, jury, and executioner of that? Think about their heart. People, Matt, think about their heart. And there are people all over the place just in need of a kind word and an invitation because they don't feel welcome in a lot of places. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. Now, we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to stand on the truth of God. We're not going not to not bend our spine for a second, but you're welcome. And that's, that's what I got from the first time I walked in here, and that's something we've kept is come. Come as you are. Just get in the doors. Hear the grace that we have met. Hear, hear the good news of the Savior. And so I'm, I'm, I'm harping on that. But Easter, we are going to do this. We have 1,000 Easter cards, Okay. They have the, de- the, the, time, the date of Easter, because some people will not know the date of Easter. I don't ever know the date of Easter until, like, I'm doing calendar planning, okay? I know it's, it's in the spring. I always have to figure it out, okay? So it's got the date on there. It's got the time. It's blank on the back. So you can write your phone number on there. If you say, hey, if, you're, if you want to come, I'll meet you at the front door. Tell me when you're going to be there. So I want you to sit with me, help your kids get to the nursery. I want you to come. So we have these cards and invite for Easter. And so if you read on your little piece of paper, it says we have two weeks. Invite, invite, invite. We have two weeks. Love, love, love. I noticed something about myself recently. Um, we were in the, um, oh, we got the card up there. Nice, Robert. <laughs> He's awesome. Um, wasn't even expecting that. Extra surprise. I noticed something that I was, I was sometimes being hesitant about inviting people to revival. And I just looked at my heart and I was like, what is wrong with you? And it really came down to this, that I just didn't want to put out the effort for it to be awkward when I asked them. I said, well, what an awful idea was that? And so I really, and even when I was feeling like I wasn't, I just forced myself to ask a few people. And they never, none of them came, so I don't want you to, like, but I really, I, and, and I just took a second to talk to some, and one guy was a little bit strange. I mean, like, real strange. He told me he had a cross necklace made from the actual cross of Jesus. I was like, oh, I'm not going to engage that. You <laughs> come, come, bro. And I, I got, like, there are so many things that will keep us from doing that. And so many things that keep us from loving. And sometimes we just look at people and they may look rough. And they may look, we may clean up nice, but you know the reality about yourself. You know you're just a beggar coming to God for grace. So in lo- 
invite, 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 but also love, love, love. Show love. And then pray, pray, pray. We talked about this last week. Nothing will come about. We cannot do any spiritual good on our own, but the Spirit has to do it, and we are completely dependent on God. And we need to come to Him in prayer and say, God, please work in us. Work through us. Bring people to yourself. Put people in my path. Give me a chance for an awkward conversation and an invite. Give me that, please. Secondly, have something. We're going to, after Easter, Easter's a good front door. And a lot of people will show up for the first time at Easter. And I've, you ever thought about this before? We go up to Easter, we make this big production of Easter, people show up, and sometimes people are genuinely moved, but they don't know, they've never been in church, or they've been in a church that was a rough situation, and a church that maybe was kind of gospel light, you know, they, they had it sort of, but it was not preached regularly, and so they, they just had a, like a disconnect of what it means to know Jesus, and so they don't know how to take that step of getting involved of finding more out because they're afraid to ask the questions because people might be like, oh, he doesn't know. So what we want to do is create an environment where you come in the front door at Easter time, wide open, come as you are, just everybody, ollie ollie oxen free, everybody come in. Come on. You come on. I'll drag, I'll meet you. I'll drive you. I will piggyback ride you, okay? Come on with me. And then we got to this, the next step is, what, what if God starts to move? How are we going to, what if, what if that person is interested? So here's an idea we've developed is across all of the small groups, Lord willing, we're going to do, all do the explicit gospel um, Bible study, which we're going to show you a trailer for in just a second. And then we're going to have two Bible studies that are open, brand new. They're kind of restarts of ones that have already been going on. One will be Sunday, right after church. We're going to feed folks and then do the study. So there's a way that they can connect with us after Easter. It'll be one or two tonight's. The other small groups will go on as scheduled. Hopefully they will incorporate that and invite people that maybe even weren't here to come and join them for this. And so that's called the explicit gospel. And we're going to kick it off with, I, I, gotta, I need to make a correction on there. Everybody see the pen in front of you? Hopefully there's a pen in front of you. Go ahead and change this. The kickoff meal is not March 3rd because March 3rd already happened. I missed the food, okay? If you look right here, under number two right there, it's not March 3rd. I did this late at night, okay? Uh, forgive me. April 3rd is the date. Not March 3rd, April 3rd. Go ahead and change that on there. April 3rd. We'll kick it off with a meal, then we'll have a seven-week study that starts. And I want to show you this trailer. So if we could, Robert, you kick that, hit the lights and kick that thing. I grew up in church. I was there every Sunday. And I've been a Christian since I was a kid. I grew up in church, and I got pieces of the gospel over 50 years. Oh, my 20-something years of going to church, I never remember hearing the word grace. I viewed God as somebody that I needed to make happy. He wasn't so concerned with, with me as a person as much as he was concerned with if I was being a good person or a bad person. I never really saw God's love as an um, unconditional everlasting love. I always believed in God, but, you know, I didn't think he believed in me. You know, I wasn't good enough. There are people that are sitting in front of you that have been in church their whole lives. They've read the Bible. They went to youth camp growing up, vacation Bible school. They, they've been in church, wired in church their whole lives. But there's also people sitting out there that have no church background whatsoever and have seen enough people with church backgrounds to, to feel like they have no need for what's being taught at or what's being proclaimed at churches. And one of the things we've learned is that you can grow up in church and be just as confused about what the gospel is or isn't as the, the person who has no church background and who has never been to church. My hope is that in understanding really the size of the gospel and the weight of the gospel, you wouldn't miss out on all that Christ has for you in his life, death, and resurrection. And the gospel is way bigger than just, I believe this so I'm saved, but that the gospel bears weight on transforming our lives and increasing our joy and changing how we see the world around us. Um, I don't know if it was a new message or it was a message I had heard a thousand times, um, but I just heard it. Now the gospel is not only something that has saved me, um, but it's changing me as well. 
you know, he opened my heart. And I got to hear the word like I'd never heard it before. It was the best news I'd ever heard. It was no longer about me attaining um, God's favor. It had been granted through Christ. And that was life-changing for me. That's where so many of us still sometimes live, not realizing what the gospel is, not applying it to our life daily. Sometimes we revert back to that trying to please God except for walking in obedience to the God who's pleased because he did all the work for us and we trust it by faith. And so that is what something we would need, but also something that is desperately needed in this town. So that's our plan. We're going to open the front door at Easter, invite, invite, and then we have a plan after you come, and hopefully God is going to work, and some people are going to be interested and taste the grace, and they're going to come, and they're going to hear the gospel through this. And not only that, we, even if we don't have people show up, when we study the gospel, the gospel prompts us to go and make disciples and share it because it's such good news. So we're going to prime the pumps of our hearts to be this people on mission for God that we're called to. And thirdly, we got Vacation Bible School coming up, which is also known, a.k.a. VBS, okay? Because sometimes you just say the letters and you don't get the acronym. We've got that coming up. It's July 14th through the 17th. We are going to push hard to get kids here because they need to know Jesus. Also, their parents need to know Jesus. And if you love children in Jesus' name, People recognize that love, and we have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. We have, listen, this might not work. It's just a plan. But if you don't have a plan, you, you may never go anywhere. And so corporately, this is what we're asking us all to, to come together, to put this together. Why? Because we want to make our church big? No. Who cares? We want to see people Come to know Jesus for the glory of God because he is unbelievable. His gospel is unfathomable in its riches. And his sacrifice should be awed and he should be worshipped by all people. But also, because you know where you were and you know what the grace of God has done in your life. You know what the gospel means for you. And you were dead and you were blind, but you were once lost. And now you're found and you were once blind. And now you see an amazing grace is your song. It's your jam, man. It comes on, you turn that thing up. Whether it's Tomlin version, it's that old version, it doesn't matter. That's your jam. Because that's what God has done. And let's have a plan together to just, God, please save souls here. Now, the, also the response that we see that is necessary is not only corporately, but we have individual responses that we need to have when God opens our eyes. Remember this progressive site we talked about? And here is three individual responses that today we're going to open the door for. And anytime, it's anytime this response can happen when you hear God's word. First off, there are some here today that may be in, it, it, you realize that you have been spiritually blind. Now you see, now because of the preaching of the word and the work of the spirit in your life, what you see yourself in big trouble because of sin. You realize that you can never measure up, that nothing can cover your sins apart from Jesus. You've heard the gospel. Now you have turned from your sins and you believe. Some of you that are unclear about that, and at the end of the service, after we do communion, we're going to have all the elders hang out. And if you want to talk about anything that has been said this week in revival, or if you want to know more about coming to know Christ, or if you want to, you have come to know Christ, and you want to follow in baptism, which is a public proclamation that you follow Jesus, we would love to talk to you about that now, because that is, that is the way that you proclaim your faith in Jesus, what God has done in your life. And so we want to open that door. For that. Secondly, an individual response is this. Volunteer and participate. Volunteer and participate. We need volunteers. <laughs> we do. Because you know what? What if God saves people at Easter or through this Bible study? 
Yeah, what if God saves a bunch of kids at VBS? Yay, go God. What are we going to do? Like, who's going to help? Who's going to help disciple them? Who's going to help with all the snacks? Who's going to help with, we need, we got we to gotta shore up. Remember we talked about laying a foundation. We got to get our foundation of volunteers ready. Serving others is a part of our evangelism. Because we are preparing this church. When someone walks through the doors, they can know Jesus. They know their kids are going to hear about Jesus. They, they, they know there's going to be communion. They, they know that there's going to be drinks out there, okay? They know that we're going to do all this stuff that we need. So here's the people we need. If you, this, is, this, is, you, this is a response. Children's ministry, we need workers. Big kids, babies, preschoolers. They're fun. <laughs> they're, they're super energetic, God might not be calling you to that if you are don't deal well with hyper. Okay? Just but listen, it's a great calling and we need we have so many great helpers, we need more. And there is a plan for that. It's not chaos. We got it going. Greeters. We need greeters. When people walk in the door, um, we need uh, we got so many people do a good job with that, but especially on Easter, when somebody new walks in, can you imagine? Just think back before you came the first time. You walk through the doors here. I don't know where to go. Somebody shows up with a kid. Where am I supposed to go? We got a sign, but how many of you see every sign when you walk into a room somewhere? I don't. I, I, I largely walk into rooms clueless. You know that about me, I'm sure. We need people there. Hey, how you doing? Come on. Let's, let me help you, okay? We need youth ministry. We've got some cool stuff going on with the mix. We got some cool stuff going on in Angie's group. We got some cool stuff going on with the group that meets on Wednesday night that Clint and um, and Mitch helped lead up. We need some of that. We're going to camp this summer, so we got a lot of good. That's a great way to reach people. Students need Jesus. It's in this county. Students definitely need Jesus, and, and so we're going on food ministry. Uh, we got that meeting. Uh, the second and fourth week, if you want to help with that, that's a great ministry. We had people from the food ministry show up this week for revival. So you don't think it's having an internal impact. It is having eternal impact. And nothing else, we're just getting to be a fragrant aroma to Jesus when we show up with bread and fruit and whatever else they give us in those crazy boxes that we find out. It is a blessing. It is a sweet savor of Jesus. Kelly and I have gotten to meet a lady that we go pray with regularly because she wants us to pray. She's, we've become, honestly... Her church family, she's never set foot inside the doors. But we get to minister grace to her. Great ways to also participate in a small group. We need you to get involved here and to sit with, each, to sit with one another, get to know one another. If those of you who've been involved in the small group, I bet you could say without a doubt, I'm not going to do a hand-raising thing just in case uh, it's not true and we need to talk later, okay? If you've been in one, God has probably blessed your heart. Also, it's pushed you farther in your faith than you would have otherwise because you got people going, hey, well, that's, that's messed up in your life. Hey, that's not right. Hey, the Bible says this here. That doesn't add up with what you're saying. Not only that, you get that encouragement. Finally, I want you to get this. Here's how we respond eventually. Repent, believe, be baptized. You want to talk about any of that? You want to be baptized? Come talk to us. We would love to talk to you about that. Volunteer, participate. There's plenty of people to see that. If you want to volunteer and participate and you don't know who to come see, come see an elder. We've got something for you, okay? Secondly, or thirdly, just share your story. This, Jesus, let's go back to our pastor real quick. This man told Jesus, don't even go into the village. There was a time in which Jesus kept his ministry secret from some. After the resurrection, no more secrets. Screaming from the rooftop. He is alive. Just like Eric talked about, you may not be seminary trained. You may not know every passage of Scripture. You may get questions you don't understand. You may get questions that stump you. And just as he told us, it's okay to say, I don't know. Let's try that again. I thought that was good. Let's say that together. One, two, three. I don't know. But you do have a testimony of what Jesus has done. And just start the conversation. You drive around town. You drive around any town. But sometimes you drive around town here, and it looks like people work in coal mines. Like back in the day. They just 
covered in dirt, which is cool. That's an honest way to make a living. They just kind of walk. That kind of people look tired in this town. They look beat up. They probably aren't. Some people work. Some people work really hard. But I'm not talking about fatigue or like physical fatigue. I'm talking spiritually. They just look Beat up. I no hope. There's some places you can sense people are, are are not as good at faking that they're all right. It's one of those towns that nobody fakes it really. And there's so many folks that are just broken and beaten down by sin. And they wouldn't say sin. They would say it's this thing happened. I mean, we all know everything in this, this world right now is under the control of the evil one, but the kingdom of God is advancing. And so I'm going to challenge all of us to see people not on the outside, not even how they respond to you when you talk to them, because sometimes it might be harsh, but I, I ask you to try through, the, through what God has shown us to see people through God's perspective. To see their brokenness. To try to give them, like, some things about them may upset you. And you might find very, very aggravating. But to see past that and to see their great need of the gospel. that they are, and The greatest need is that they're separated from God and they need a relationship with him. Beyond that, to see that they need a community of believers, that they need hope and they need life and they need to, to have a purpose in their life. They need Jesus. And to see that, to truly see that when we go and we check out at the pig or the food land or you're paying way too much for stuff at Rite Aid, wherever you are. I know I said, I love, I love them folks over there. Don't get me wrong. I buy stuff there too. But when you're going there or you're, you're hitting up the McDonald's and they don't get your order right, See that? Don't see the bag of food as wrong, but see the person's heart and see where they are because there's so much lostness around us and the grace of God is so rich and free and enveloping and amazing. And so God, please give us eyes to see and lips willing to share just a little bit, just something, just, just put it out there. I, there was this lady, and I'll conclude with this. There was this lady that, that Amy and I know. Her name is Miss Dowdy. She is, she's in her 90s now, but in her 70s and early 80s, she used to drive. She was a trustee at the Baptist College in Florida, where I did my undergrad uh, at, and so there was a whole bunch of us. God had done a work in High Springs, Florida, and a whole bunch of people from High Springs, and that's where I went to church um, with Amy, had moved to Baptist College of Florida. So there, out of that church, there's probably, and out of that area, there's probably about 12, 14 guys and gals who had were surrendering their life to ministry. And Miss Dowdy was on the board of the school. And so she would drive at like 78 in her giant old lady Cadillac, okay? I mean, all you saw was knuckles. She was driving that. I mean, it's like a bazillion pounds, you know? And it's got a V, you know, V12 engine in that thing. I don't know why you need that in a car that big. But she, she drove that thing from High Springs up to the middle of nowhere in Graceville, Florida, which is nowhere. Go look up on a map, population seven. I mean, it's small. Makes Hartsville look like a metropolis, okay? She pulled up. She would take us all to lunch. And just here in her life, she was in New York City. And she did this, she did this all the time. She did this in New York, heard about her doing it in New York. She did it. And, she, and this is what prompted our conversation. We were going into this, this restaurant called the Chuck Wagon. Yeah. And she, a, a gentleman, and this was in Chipley, which is a neighboring town, a gentleman Pull the door open for her, and she looked at him, and she said, you are so sweet. You know it's better to be a doorman in the house of the Lord and spend a thousand days elsewhere and walked off. It wasn't weird. It wasn't awkward, but it was almost like you could just, like, feel the spirit of God. Like, oh, I mean, it was like, and all, all of us, like, all of us pseudo, pre, you know, almost preachers were like, 
would never have thought to do something like that. Man, I can't tell you. Then she got to tell we 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 mentioned it, like, Miss Dowdy, that was pretty cool. And she was like, Oh, man, let me tell you about what I did in New York City. And she ended up she ended up riding the subway almost the whole day one time when she was in New York City, talking to people who gave up their seats and mentioning stuff like that, somebody who hold the door for somebody else. She's getting a conversation with them talking about Jesus. She was one of she's she's still one of these these cool ladies that you're like that's not that's not foreign to us. That, that that's, that's that's not that, that can't be us. The same spirit that lives in her is the spirit that lives in us. We just must be led by the spirit. And I pray that this week, through God's word, that eyes have been opened. Come instantaneously. <gasps> light breaks through and you need to come and, and, and when the elders are hanging out after communion, you need to come talk to us about that and talk about baptism. I'm also praying that some of us, those of us who know Christ and who are just all in for this church and its mission, that we, the light came on and we see the urgency of the gospel. We see the great need. We see the greatness of our Savior. And we see that we must act Let's pray, and as I pray, I'm asking the deacons to come forward, and we're going to hand out communion, and communion is going to be the way we close our service today. So, God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you don't leave us when just with just our eyes being opened, but that you continue to work and make us more like you. That you continue to reveal your heart to us. You continue to reveal your goodness. You continue to reveal your plan. Thank you. God, help us be a light in this dark world. Help us be a city on a hill. Bring people, God. Give us more volunteers. Give us more witnesses. God, bring people here. Save people for your glory for your praise. God, we want to see Trousdale County and the whole world know you as Savior. To you and you alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.